just a brief uh, so just to begin like just a brief introduction to what we do mm-hmm. so, so we 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 are a we we help uh, online merchants uh, implement profit profitable growth tactics mm-hmm. uh, and we are used by over uh, like thousands of merchants in over 80 countries now mm-hmm. across the globe and uh, what we are uh, the mission of our company is to help uh, e-commerce uh become more profitable um and uh, what we see is that uh, apart from being able to implement uh, uh profitable growth tactics i think what people really lack is like insights into what has really worked and what has not worked um mm-hmm. and more so what has not worked so this effort of ours is now because we formed like this active community around a product so we want to talk to different people across the world to get their opinions um, and their experiences and hopefully they can our community can kind of learn from them or like can use them in their own context sure so it's just a casual chat between um, between us and then uh, let's see where this interview goes so um, just to start off with so Um, a bit of your background and your experience with e-commerce. Okay, uh, so me myself have been in the industry for close to this two zero zero two two o two three, right? I've been in the industry for close to twenty years. Yeah, so uh, of course back then twenty years ago, uh, e-commerce wasn't really such a big deal. Right, we don't have a lot of platform um, that that's uh, enabling us to actually reach out to our consumers easily right so we don't have like amazon we don't have like shopee lazada or this uh, bigger scale so back then uh, when i first got involved with e-commerce was actually with uh, osim right osim so back then we developed our own e-com so it's actually osim.com right shop shop from osim.com which is our own website so we do that our hosting we do our own coding we have a huge team of uh, e-commerce Uh, behind back then, you know, from designing to operation to administrative, right? So the whole team back then, if I remember correctly, we have about eight people managing the whole entire uh, osin.com site, right? So everything was transacted uh, online, right, within our own stores, right? But back then, even though we have online transaction, it wasn't in such a uh, big value in terms of ticket amount, right? People usually generally use our site more as an info site. About the find about the brand, the uh, product details and specifications. It's only during the last, I would say, seven to eight years that people start to have more confidence in uh, purchasing online uh, for larger ticket items or even pricier items. Right. So from uh, Osin is where I started, and of course, subsequently when I move over to uh, Osino, it's also uh, it's it's also a uh, FMCG company, but we do a lot of home finishing. Pretty much the same. We hosted our own website. We do our own domains, right? So uh, we only started to go into big shopping website only during my time at Targus, and that is two zero one eight. Yeah, twenty eighteen around that period of time, right? So of course we have our own Targus online, which is our own uh, online store as well and shop. But of course we also work with uh, Amazon.com, right? We also work with Best Buy. Uh, we also work with uh, Shopee, Lazada, Tokopedia, uh, Blip Blip. You know, we work with uh, across a lot of uh, e-commerce platform and sites through distribution network, right? Uh, in Asia Pacific, and of course in uh, Southeast Asia, and also in uh, America, North America, and South America, in Europe as well. 
right? So this actually enable us to reach out to our consumers directly, right? At the same time, also and our enable our distributor to reach out to a wider network of uh, ready consumers ready to buy the product, right? So depending on how we operate, we have our own uh, brand website, but if we are working via a distribution or franchise method, usually we will enable or empower our distributor and franchisee right, to actually go on board other platforms and sell. So we as a principal, we don't go into their territory and domains and register the trademark or register a uh, 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 Lazada store, for example, or Shopee store. Right? It can be an official one whereby we go in as a brand, but we get them to manage for us. Right, so that is uh, my experience thus far with uh, e-com. But of course, right now with Rises.com, uh, it's pretty much the same. So uh, for Rises.com, we drive a lot more for our own brand site rather than on other platforms, right? Uh, because we realize there are a lot of online platforms right now. They generally go towards the big discount, big, uh, big volume, right? If you don't do discount, don't do promotion, you don't drive big volume, uh, you'll be losing out. So for us as a premium brand, we try to reduce or not offer that much of the promotional activities or discounts, right? Just to retain our brand value. So even though you can find us on Shopee Lazada, right? Or maybe some other sites like Pre-Shop, but we do not give heavy discount or join that campaign, right? Like up to 80%, up to 70% flash deals. Uh, we <laughs> <laughs> we don't do all this. So we, we only use it as a platform for our customers to decide where they want to make the purchase. Right. So if we have a 10% discount for new launch, for example, on Rises.com, we'll offer the same 10% on Lazada, uh, Shopee, Quickshop, and other platforms. Right? But we allow the customers or our consumers to choose which platform they want to buy it from. Right, because sometimes uh, if people they do shop a lot on other e-com platform, you always get this type of rewards, right? Coins, eggs, uh, tokens, but they can use it to offset their purchase, right? So uh, they can use that for our official site on those e-com stores, but we don't give additional discounts. Yeah, it's more like an additional platform for them to buy our product, right? That's all. Awesome. So, so actually, this is a great, great introduction because uh, you've you helped us walk through twenty years of e-commerce. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and uh, it's it just because uh, folks who started with e-commerce or uh, offline brands who went into e-commerce during the COVID pandemic mm. don't even uh, appreciate, like they have no appreciation for the fact that how difficult was it to set up an e-commerce website? Well, it was a big investment that requires a big team, right? And uh, especially when we when we go by IP base, right? So back then for us, one of the main key criteria is to how to safeguard our partners, right? Or cross-border transactions, right? Uh, so usually uh, lock in by IP. So for example, if the customer is in Indonesia and then we detected their IP as the Indonesian IP, uh, this customer in Indonesia will not have access to the website from other counterparts, like for example, in Singapore, from Malaysia or Taiwan. So what they say is the Indonesia website, right? So that is to protect uh, protect our distributors and also in terms of uh, global pricing as well, strategies, right? But right now, the new the e-com is so easy to set up, you know, Shopify, just go in, choose a template, load up your details, 
I take the pictures. There's like a whole entire guide out there on how to do your e-com platform easily. A product shoot, you download an app, take a picture, remove the background, upload. Right. Yeah. Chat GPT, write the product description for you. <laughs> you just need to decide how much you want to sell. You know, load, uh, load in your stocks you now and then uh, print out your, uh, what do you call it for that? The uh, label, stick it out and then off you go. Easy as that, right? Yeah. Even 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 uh, you don't need to manage shipping anymore because that is taken care of by three PL providers anyways. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think this is this is like very insightful to the fact that once you have this appreciation of how easy it has become to start an e-commerce business, I think now the challenge is like mm -hmm. uh, because it's so easy to start an e-commerce business. There is so much competition that it is super difficult to kind of. Uh, build your online presence in a way which is more profitable. Mm -hmm. As you rightly mentioned, that since you you gave an example that your brand does not partake in all of these uh, flash deal, if 80% discount on mm -hmm. marketplaces, mm -hmm. um, because what we've heard and during our conversations that mm -hmm. more than 70% of sellers on these platforms are actually not making money. Yeah. So so the thing is that you you lose a lot of uh, margins, right? and uh, your value when you're partaking in all this, right? Because you are so driven by the volume gain, right? That you are actually losing out in terms of margin. Because when people do all this, they don't they don't see into the details of like, say, returns, exchange, disputes, you know, the online transaction, additional charges that you pay the platform. You got to pay PayPal, for example. You got to pay or uh, shop back, uh, buy now, pay later, told me. Any other platform, Visa Master that you, you you actually deal with, you have to pay them a fee, right? So if people are not so into the details on how to manage their, their sales pipeline and channel and just give a random discount, a first, first person into the e-com business, right? you'll realize that you are, you are actually losing more than you're gaining, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Actually, this is, this is I think, uh, um, also a good segue to like, so what we believe is that, uh, that there are many ways to be successful. I mean, they could be like everyone has a new story, whosoever is successful at doing anything. Mm -hmm. Actually, for every field, for example, in e-commerce, example, there is there are something that if you do, you're bound to fail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and since you've you've been doing this for like now 20 years, mm -hmm. so what are your top three uh, most common mistakes that people make that they should avoid when mm -hmm. doing e-commerce businesses? Mm, I think first and foremost, right, uh, is to choose a platform that you want to be on, right? And you have to choose a platform whereby you can grow with. Right? A lot of people will just want to like get in there quickly, start selling, you know, without much consideration of if you do manage to uh, get a name for yourself, your sales is really well, my right? traction is growing. How are you going to grow your online platform, right? So I think the first approach is to choose a platform that you want to be in. Right. Uh, second, of course, is to definitely choose the territory or the people that you want to market to. Right. If you are a local brand, will you want to first focus locally on building your brand, or will you want to straightway jump into a global stage? Right. So if you first jump yourself into a global stage, if you don't do enough uh, advertising, right, SEO, SMO, or whatever thing you're talking about to put your brand out there, right, you'll be just flooded by the amount of uh, same competitor selling the same product, maybe just a different design, right? 
And of course, the third thing you have to understand is that how unique your product is. Like, are you are you buying uh, a product for OEM maker or just doing a label? Or do you genuinely have a unique product that no one has or something out there that no one has? Right? Once you are able to identify your product, your customers and your consumer, right? I think you're, you're already win half the battle, right? At least you don't need to face like 10 and thousands or millions of uh, people selling the same tumbler, for example. <laughs> or maybe the same uh, backpack, for example, right? So I think product, product innovation is very important, right? Uh, doesn't mean that you have a high margin product that you're able to source at a very good price from a supplier. You'll be able to just go online and start selling, you know? Cool. So, so just to summarize your three points, I think number three, as you mentioned, was that uh, you need to decide on your platform very mm-hmm. wisely, like a platform that can scale with you, essentially. And yes. platform, yeah. Yeah, scale with you means that we're looking at a scale platform on which you're building your online store, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, you said was that you need to kind of take a call whether you want to be global or like global. regional. From, mm-hmm. on day one and you need to choose your focus area and your target customers yeah uh, and the third one that you spoke about was more around the fact that like selling generic widgets is not like a long-term sustainable business unless there has to be some product innovation correct i think that's really important right? because a lot of people always feel that uh, you can always uh, find a product online like i mentioned like from maybe even alibaba you know, I order 10,000 pieces of this at a good price, you know, I do some very nice labeling or some change of the design, but that doesn't change the core of the product we are selling. You see the same, you know. So mm-hmm. definitely innovative products and products that has uh, lesser competi- uh, competition out there, lesser competitors, then a better chance of uh, winning a greater audience. All your orders can only buy from you. They can't buy anywhere else. Right? Who else do you go for to buy a product other than you? You can just go to Alibaba or any other website and type in your product name, and then you see, oh yeah, there's ten thousand of it similar. You know, I think I think what you what you're mentioning is uh, very very um, like I think it's 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 the sign of the times actually because yeah. as, as as we started you, uh, this uh, chat and you were initially talking about your journey through the pro like how difficult was it to sell and then it has become super easy now yeah. and, and now the there is very difficult to differentiate your product so we have this like. We, we we always think about it in this way, right? Like mm-hmm. previously when you were an offline uh, only uh, shop and you chose like some uh, mall or like some shopping area, mm-hmm. uh, by virtue of that shopping area being known for shopping, uh, you get a lot of, lot of footfall, right? And yes. you get a lot of captive audience who, who, who you can showcase your product. Mm-hmm. Right? In, this case, the, in this case, the bar to be in front of these people was low as long as you could pay the rent or you could own that piece right a shop there you could sell basically whatever you wanted right until mm. uh, see so every product got a chance but now in online when everybody can be there this this discovery is very difficult and especially mm-hmm. if you're running your own branded store right like if you're not on a marketplace where margins are basically zero mm-hmm. right yeah. so so i think your point on like innovating on the product is absolutely paramount and i think innovation across your whole uh, uh, just not your product your customer success your like how you are serving your customers like how you are like reaching out to them like it's it's essentially how you stand out 
typically yeah. like I think you you want to start a brand and start a product that people try to counterfeit, right? Correct. Or at least try to do something similar like yours, just to get a little piece of a pie that you're doing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So I think uh but uh, let's just talk back uh, like a few years. You said that you were working with Targus, right? Mm -hmm. Targus is this backpack brand, right? Am I... A lot of people just thought that we are a backpack okay. brand. We sell peripherals and uh, software and hardware too. Oh, okay. So okay. We, we started off as a OEM maker uh, for one of the uh, uh, really famous world brand. Uh, say, for example, just quote an example like Dell, the notebook, HP, for example, right? So back then when they were doing their laptop, there wasn't really like a proper laptop bag. So the founder of Targus uh, was the one that first started to do this laptop bag. And then they started to pitch up. So back then it was uh, it was more OEM, right? So we do, there's no brand as Targus. Like only, only a company that does uh, bags for them, right? Private labels, for example. Yeah. But right now, after so many years in the field, uh, it makes sense to start your own brand, right? So once you start to build a reputation for yourself, you would also want to expand your product portfolio, right? So naturally, being an IT company, well, we started with backpack. Although backpack is not an IT thing, right? <laughs> it's an accessories. No, but, but yeah, but the partner we work with are all IT giants, right? Right. So so we started to develop our own peripherals, right? And then we develop we we venture into this uh, area called docking stations. Maybe not so much company does docking stations, right? Maybe proprietary. Dell will have their own docking station. Right? HP will have their own docking station. Nobody is sharing, right? Nobody is like friendly enough to say, "Hey, hey, I'm using a Dell docking station. Take it, use it on your HP." It doesn't work that way. <laughs> right? So we came up with a universal docking station, whereby we are the friends of everyone. You know, so I think a lot of uh, companies they were they were doing uh, supplying equipment to to big brands like banks, financial sectors, or any. Uh, conglomerates, you know, or any uh, big audit company, they will want to have a brand that works seamlessly across the board, right? Because being in an IT, IT manager itself, you have your own preference, right? First year in, uh, maybe I'll bring in HP, right? Uh, this IT manager left, uh, maybe another one coming, oh, I, I like Lenovo, I'll bring in Lenovo, right? Or sometimes it's just about budget, right? So maybe the fourth one will say, oh, due to budget, maybe I only can get a Chromebook. I can't even get a proper uh, Microsoft working machine. Right. So how do you tie all this together? So this is where the universal docking station comes in. Right. So targets developed towards towards that era, uh, towards that um, that area of industry. And now of course we started to develop uh softwares that tie in our universal docking stations and our peripherals. Yeah. But I think yeah, it, it's it, I mean uh you say that Targus was not actually uh so much of a brand in backpacks. But actually, for my first my first ever backpack that I bought, like that I bought of my own money and not my parents bought when I bought like my first laptop, <laughs> uh, was actually a Targus backpack, right? Oh, nice! Yeah. And, and and I got it with with an yeah. Apple computer. So yeah. so, uh, but but this is like classic, right? What so mm -hmm. we we are now in like over eighty countries and we've got like lot of these B two B businesses who were uh, previously just offline B two B. Uh, doing OEM stuff for people and then as building like the IT infrastructure became easier uh, to to go direct to consumer mm -hmm. so a lot of them have started to set up their D2C presence right yeah. so it, it it almost looks like Targus went through the same journey they started with and then the key thing I think uh, mm -hmm. what I can gauge from what you just said was that they, they chose this uh, 
their their ideal customer was the IT department in big mm-hmm. companies, and they basically started building products, innovating to solve their problems. Like for example, the universal docking station that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So like for the IT department to make sure that they could work with any vendor, for example. Yeah. Correct. So and backpack started with the same thing, and uh, like actually all what you're talking about. Yeah. So so how important important is it to like kind of uh, when you're building kind of a brand or a business mm-hmm. in this case. Where you you choose this one customer profile, mm. and mm. then basically say, okay, for this customer persona, I'm going to like build a product that works for them, and then I will keep on innovating with a product line that is going to cater to this because I I know them well. Is this the most important thing to build like a really profitable business? I think that is the first and foremost uh, criteria if you really want to be successful to. Have a brand name that's known by everyone, right? Find something that you're really good at. Make sure you are really good at it, and provide all the solutions, customer service, troubleshooting, and this is how you build your brand, right? So once you establish a trust, a trust in your brand, right, a trust in your quality, your workmanship, right, in everything that you do. Subsequently, next time when you start to launch some new products, right, or some new service, people will associate it back to your past uh, allocates. Your past track record. In, imagine like a Google review, you know, yeah, five star Google review all the way. <laughs> you know, all, you, all you all you need is one crappy innovation and come up with a one star Google review, and then just drop your drop your overall ranking to four point eight, for example, still high, right? But then uh, it being pulled down, right? So I think, but though you want to like capture the whole entire market, but no one can dominate the market as long as uh, what Apple is doing. Right, but even Apple is giving in to Type C right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so, so the question is, no one, no one is there permanently, you know, dominating or monopolizing a, a certain type of uh, product. You just got to keep innovating, provide good customer service, you know, provide good troubleshooting. Uh, I think it's it's the process of building your brand over the years to establish yourself. It's not an overnight thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're right here. Yeah. So, for yeah. example, like. Uh, usually, people say that to grow your business, you need to find newer type of customers. Mm-hmm. But actually, uh, if you take the example even of Apple that you just brought up, right? Apple essentially starts like okay, they have one hero product which we call like a winning product, which is the iPhone. Yeah. And then around it, they now sell AirPods, they sell like I mean, uh, a MacBook computer, an iPad, and like uh, AirTags. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, it's just like. In, in each of them are in themselves are like huge companies if you think mm-hmm. about it, each product yeah. right so it's not necessary always that you need to find new customers right like mm-hmm. it's the same customer how much more you can innovate understand them even better and like kind of solve their problems yes you're right it seems this seems to be a very cost effective way to like mm-hmm. make more money essentially i mean uh, i mean it's a it's an ongoing process right you find you find a new customer for example you have a new brand right and you treat them like a vip it's the customer journey that people remembers you of, right? So while retaining it, they can stay with you for a long period of time. Right? Can be either because of loyalty, or because they really know that you can provide the best solution and service out there, right? It can also be uh, saying that you're affordable. You know, you're in the market long enough. You've been working with them, so you know what kind of pricing they're looking at, right? So you revolve yourself uh, around keeping this uh, current customers right so they'll be reviewed for maybe five to ten years but at the same time you have to keep growing and acquiring new customers right that's how a company grow as well that's how department grow that's how headcount grow 
right? So how you move from an SME to a conglomerate or to an enterprise that is through development and constant growing, right? But we have we must not forget that who started off with us initially, right? Who was there with us to partner all along, right? So sometimes in in the world of business, uh, you don't really have like a full win situation, or sometimes you don't even have a win win situation. Sometimes you got to lose some, right, in order to win, right? So I think it 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 all comes down to how the management look at the business and how the management wants the business to move in a certain direction. Right, they have to be responsible, and uh, they have to stand firm uh, in the believing of the brand, the company, and what's there to offer. Awesome. So mm -hmm. I think just to just to quickly summarize so far where we are, I think uh, the key things around like building like a really sustainable long-term business is essentially knowing your customer very well, um, like optimizing the customer journey, and then trying to mm -hmm. innovate to provide that customer with even more value with mm -hmm. products or newer products yeah also i think so this and you also briefly like kind of uh, spoke about like uh customer uh like you can sell more to the same customer when either there is loyalty or like they like your or trust your price right mm -hmm. now trusting your price is a very um like is a, is, is a complex subject but as well as like <laughs> very very important uh, mm -hmm. thing because the way we technically refer to it as uh, is we call it like value-based pricing, right? Like you, you, everybody. Uh, so if you take two people, two different people are willing to pay a different amount of money for the same product, mm -hmm. essentially, and that just depends on how much value they think perceived value of the product is or the value they are getting out of it. Yeah, of course. So yeah. now, uh, just to like kind of uh, dig a bit deeper into this. So yeah. how? How important do you think is pricing um, in in e-commerce? Uh, to be honest, pricing in e-commerce is 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 only important to the uh, target audience or the customer group they are looking at. Right? If I say one of the first product that you have on the hand, right, you have to decide which are your target audience, which are the consumers that you want to sell to. Do you want to sell to the mass market, right? So if you want to sell to a mass market, that's the mass market price. For example, maybe like fifty to hundred dollars, right? So if you want to target like the lower end spectrum, those really cheap, like for example, uh, five to twenty dollars type of market audience. I mean, the, the product that you're looking at has to be has to fit that criteria, right? Five to twenty dollars, and of course you have to look for those kind of uh, high end or high end luxury, right? That you don't really sell in volume, but you sell in a good amount. So, so pricing it really depends on the consumer and the target market uh, audience that you want to focus at. So once you identify the target audience and uh, how you want to do your business, then you have to look into your own product and find does this product I have right now, if I want to price it at this price, does it make sense? Is it is it does consumer really see the value to it? Right? It just doesn't mean that I want to target the ultra high net worth and I can just sell like a mouse and then I just price it at six hundred dollars. <laughs> Something had to be unique about the mouse, right? Go plate the casing, for example. You know, first of the uh, kind laser type of uh, technology that built in. You know, you don't need to. You can even use on air. You don't even need a surface. You know, it sells six hundred dollars. Maybe people buy it because of the innovations and the creativity behind it. Like looking at a usual mount that you, I can get it OEM at three or four dollars, maybe a million lesser than that. You can't be looking at the. Uh, High individual um, or the the uh, high net worth market. You have to look at the mass consumer, 
So it boils down to the product that you want to focus on, right? So either you find a product that you want to sell, a mass market, you focus on it, or you want to find a mid-tier one, focus on it, or you just really want to sell the luxury one and focus on it. Right? And then, you, then either you develop your product around it, or you find a product that you really like and try to elevate it. Right? I mean, I mean, there's a good example out there uh, right now of this brand called Golden Concept, right? That sells like uh, Apple Watch casings, right? I mean, there's a lot of tons of Apple Watch casing out there, right? It comes with straps, without straps, right? you can customize it DIY. But this brand take it to another level. They market it in such a way that they are like the uh, uh, AP, you know, or maybe the Rolex of the uh, uh, Apple Watch casing. And then they have really nice design, special casing. They go with a very nice branding. They use ultra, luxury type of uh, materials on their finishing you know they find ambassadors or kols or maybe celebrities to even endorse it and right now their brand are doing really well and then it's, it's not cheap right so same product but they elevate it so much that right now it's worth a lot more than a normal product they can buy from Taobao, which is also an application right so i think i think it's really important right so identify your pricing how much you want to sell and of course, uh, identify the product that you want to sell. That which 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 uh, consumer uh, are you focusing on that you want to sell to? Hmm. So I think it's it, that's a that's an interesting point that you make up, right? Like identify your pricing, right? Like um, yeah. so essentially, um, um, at Conigal, we 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 have uh, automation software uh, to help people with any kind, like to implement any kind of pricing strategy to start with, and then. It has got other things on top of it as well. And one of the most important um, things that we see is like, so um, is like when somebody decides that I'm a premium brand, um, mm -hmm. so how do they kind of, what price is premium, right? Like, for example, like um, uh, there are many things that happen, right? Like, mm -hmm. so let's previously, if there was a celebrity using your product, mm -hmm. it, would, it would count as being premium because Oh, this is, and then you could charge a premium price for it, for example. Mm. But now, what we see in today's world, like an iPhone, is basically used by everybody, whether it's like a multimillionaire or like a single millionaire or not even a millionaire, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody uses an iPhone, right? And it's essentially the same iPhone. Yeah. Uh, so, what we've what we've seen work for new brands is typically. Uh, this thing of creating a scarcity if they want to be charging premium because a new brand doesn't have that trust or that recall value. Mm. So the only way either they can do this is like if they are friends with a celebrity and then they get the celebrity's photo click and put in phase three magazines. Mm. Or the other way they do this is that they essentially say this product is only available in 50 quantities or 100 mm. quantities. Mm. And they essentially use the Nike sneaker model where they drop products every month. A new product or a new variation yeah. of the product, and they say yeah. there's only 200 available, and this is being sold at like five thousand dollars each, for example, yeah. uh, for argument's sake. Yeah. And that that way, they are able to at least uh, target those folks who value like scarcity. Yeah. Right? Uh, so, do you yeah. think as a as a as a premium brand position to as a new premium brand, like yeah. there is somebody who's who's positioning their brand as a premium brand but it's new right mm -hmm. obviously yeah your website should look like uh louis vuittonish right mm -hmm. <laughs> like your uh it should all the experience should be great the material should be good but at the end of the day 
does creating scarcity help improve setting up building that brand image of, of course it does i think i mean first and foremost uh, one thing we need to identify you know is this thing called perceived value right so you can have the most uh, high tech or the most luxurious material put into the product that you are doing right but uh, if you if the first perceived value of looking at it doesn't really come across hey that's a really luxury item right and then that's it you're gone you lose it right because people don't associate the price with the product that you are putting out front right so from end to end right even from the packaging is really important customer journey customer service right everything have to be top notch if you want to be a ultra luxury right so so imagine you receiving this uh, uh super branded Chanel LV bag right it comes in a sloppy packaging right first thing you must think this must be a knockoff right <laughs> yeah it might be a counterfeit right <laughs> or maybe, or, yeah or maybe if you walk into a LV shop and then you see the logo is uh, dropping off or maybe there are certain peelings here you know some light bulbs are not working well they'd be thinking hey am i working into a real lv stock or is it you know some random shop they're just using their brand and then set it up by selling counterfeit right so i think perceived value is really important right so the very for a new brand itself right every customer is important right once they take a look at you i mean it's really modern right now people will just google you online right? first they, they know your name and they try to find you when they click on your website that's the first thing they'll they'll, they'll decide whether are you a uh, uh, fashionable brand, right? If you're into fashion products, uh, are you a luxury brand? If you're a luxury product, right? I think it's it's the first perceived value that when people set their eyes on your brand, that that pretty much settles in in terms of the price uh, that you try to bring across. I think so. So just to summarize what you just said, like uh, essentially, uh, when it comes to positioning your brand as premium and being able to charge mm. that perceived value uh, being higher. Mm. Basically, people judge the book by the cover, essentially. Yeah, I think, I mean, as shallow as it is, I think that's how life is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, uh, yeah, so I think you're, you're right. And I think uh, mm. the scarcity component essentially comes with that also. Like mm. when, when on the packaging or on the box, it says one of 100. Yes. Uh, it immediately, like, kind of you, you associate like, uh, like a higher value with that, whatever yeah. it may be inside yeah. the box. Yeah, right. but definitely when you put like a serial number to it, right? Like say one over one hundred, it really depends on who are the people that's only that one over one hundred. You know, yeah. it can be hundred commoners, you know, or you have like hundred of the uh, top celebrity. Yeah, 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 yeah. So pretty cool, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I think this is this is quite quite insightful in terms of like uh, positioning a brand uh, as a premium brand. I think that's something that I feel like is super key. Um, mm -hmm. So. Let's come down to like slightly more uh, in terms of uh, let's say you 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 are a premium brand like you've decided that you're a premium brand you have products with like which has, which has got certain degree of differentiation mm -hmm. uh, and you are already in the market um, uh, but eventually people don't know you right like mm -hmm. so how do you um, um, what 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 are you seeing as like cost-effective ways to put your brand out there? Wow. Well, I mean, that's that's a really tough question. I mean, that's the question that everyone wants to know and have an answer to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can't really uh, give you the best solution and uh, to put to put yourself out there so that everyone knows you. 
But I think a certain amount of uh, investment is needed, especially when it comes to like keyword searches. You know, uh, you have to put yourself out there. You know, you have to make sure that when people key in your brand name or maybe say related products, you appear. Right, but of course, in such a way whereby it's not some tacky mess type of neon type of signage and Google ad that you see all over the place, right? But I think you can start working with within communities first. You know, so let's say if you are starting with uh, uh, a kid product, right? Then identify the, the the mom or the parent community, right? Try to join a community, right? Move in there, uh, engage your customers, right? Uh, let them know what makes you so special and stand out, you know, rather than going to an e-commerce platform, right? So identify your community. If you are doing like a, a car parts, for example, right, you just go into a community and join a community. There are a lot of car enthusiasts, right? right? So I think finding community first, right? And then uh, introducing your product to them. It's a lot more cost-effective on just like dumping 10 over 20,000 on ads all over the place. Right. But that's that's important afterwards, right? When you have at least built a, a name for yourself and you want people to search for you more on a global scale, right? Then you have to put yourself out there. But if you are starting out as a new brand, you know, start to look for community. The community power is actually really strong. Right. And usually the community will be the one that's supporting you. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So mm -hmm. so if you're a new brand, uh and especially like if you're like targeting the premium segment so then you need to essentially engage with the community who's going to people from who which are going to buy your product makes a lot of sense uh just like uh so, so let's let's like kind of zoom out a bit and like uh, look forward and how so you've been in this for 20 years mm, yeah so, uh, international business actually so now uh how do you see the next three to five years of e-commerce or retail in general in the in the premium segment, for example? Let's well, to me, if you ask me, nothing has changed since the last 10 years. Okay. Yeah, it's, there's really not much of uh, evolution. I think the only big evolution right now that we see is all maybe all AI-driven. But that doesn't change the way that people shop online. Right? You still go to a platform, search for the product you want, compare the prices, you know, read the reviews, and then you make a purchase, right? I mean, that has been going on for years, and it's pretty much the same, you know, people are still revolving around the same few website and uh, doing the e-com, right? Nothing much has changed. I mean, the, the, it's not like as if right now you have uh, butler service, you know, extra high uh, luxury type of thing that people dress really well, uh, shirt and suit deliver items to your house. Maybe those uh, really luxury events, they do that. But I think it's only for their ultra high net worth individuals. They don't even shop online. You know, they just call. Or maybe they just go to your house and they show you all the latest launch. Right? But for most of the consumers, it's still pretty much the same. So I think maybe even for the next three to five years, uh, it will be the same. I think the only thing that might be a little bit different is how we look into introducing a new way of shopping. I mean, people tried that, right? Like on my covers. You know, uh, argumented reality, right? But all those you'll still need uh, technology support, right? Right. I can buy things in VR, but I still need to buy a VR goggles. So you need to get the software, lock into this, lock into that. I mean, it's too troublesome, right? I think people want it fast and want it easy, 
So until it's evolved to a, to a stage whereby your mobile phone or the equipment they are using allow another evolution of how we interact with technology before we, see, we can see a new trend of shopping. Pretty much right now, things are going backwards, especially after the pandemic, right? During the pandemic, people shop online, right? Right now, live with the pandemic, people shop offline. Right, they still want the interaction, they still want to go around, uh, still want the ability to, to go into a shop, get served, get customer service, you know, uh, to get recognized, you know, to, to pick and choose and feel my own product. Right, so we are actually taking a step back. We're not so much into online, we are moving back. Right, but then subsequently after a while, people are bored of like shopping offline, and then they're trying to go back online again. Right, I think this cycle is going to repeat, but pretty much it's going to be the same for the next couple of years. <laughs> So, so yeah. more things change, more things stay the same. Stay the same is what you yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you yourself, do you think that you know, maybe the next three to five is pretty much the same? I think, uh, like, so uh, what we believe is like mm. uh, what, and we what we've seen um, as consumers and as like on the inside when we see uh, data of like millions of stores. I think what we what we are seeing is that more and more um, that that. I think this online, offline, omni retail, omni commerce, mm -hmm. omni channel, all these buzzwords that were created to sell more tech solutions are going to kind of disappear. Mm -hmm. I think what's going to happen is that it's going to be one seamless journey. Um, mm -hmm. And you're right that people will exactly do the same things. will surf different uh, websites, will go to different stores, will choose, will read reviews, uh, will decide on what they want to buy or what their friends are buying, will go back to recommendations. And, eventually they will buy but where do they buy is going to change like i mean maybe more more and more people will just buy online or but they will still go to the storeroom uh, to the store and then like kind of sit down there and feel the product as you mentioned right mm -hmm. depends on how valuable the product is how much how much does it cost yeah so, apart from that i don't see um, I, yeah there is even this whole ai uh, uh, is going to just create more people to come online and sell more and have more online stores. I mean, that it is going to help make it easier. But at the end of the day, as you rightly mentioned, if your product is not differentiated, then I mean, you can keep creating another website, right? Like who's going to read that? Who's going to browse it? So you can ask chat GPT to find the cheapest product for you though. I haven't tried it yet, but maybe I'll try it. I, I mean, <laughs> but that that cheapest product can be bought, but uh, maybe it is never delivered. So <laughs> oh, maybe not cheapest, but maybe in terms of the price comparison. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like for example, I want to buy a, a AirPod Pro, right? And I can say which which platform sells it at the most affordable price. Correct. And correct. If you will do a comparison for you, or you can buy it at Best Buy. Yeah. Right now, having a promotion. Exactly. 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 Yeah. And and I think this is what. So for example, in Conigal also, we've got this tool where. Uh, merchants can actually compare their competitors uh, all the time and they know what the price they're selling so they can like kind of uh, stay price competitive or position themselves as higher or lower than them whatever mm -hmm. they like to position themselves as yeah. so i mean these things will still exist um, and but i am also like kind of uh, uh, like i think the big next step change that is going to happen the way we buy is mm -hmm. going to be if we get like augmented reality goggles not virtual reality but augmented reality because that can like completely change the buying experience and make you closer to that probably mm -hmm. art to buy 
because if you're moving around and you can see the prices and you can see more details about the product so yeah. so maybe in retail uh, we may have uh, less and less uh, sales people uh, mm-hmm. is more like an individual you just walk around and you just buy and uh, like feel the products and go uh, but apart from that i don't think um, like i mean i'm i'm sure that uh, what i see in the next 3 to 5 years that we won't see like um, i mean i may be proven wrong but i don't think we will see robots yeah. people so <laughs> so uh, but yeah so that's the key thing so like okay so like one uh, one final uh, one final question i think we're putting you on the spot on this one so let's say um, like today maybe there are like 25 million online like give or take 25 million e-commerce operators who are like selling online say with online stores if you are in front of them and you have all of them listening to you what is that one advice that you would give them to be successful at e-commerce wow you asked me to give advice to 25 million online stores <laughs> one thing the most important thing according to you one thing to me hmm let me think about it oh this is talking about 25 uh, platforms right million platforms. basically everybody is listening to you all e-commerce merchants are listening to you mm-hmm. and, and you have like okay this is this one thing from michel that you should always remember mm-hmm. to be successful at e-commerce what would it be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say, I would say, don't do counterfeits. Yeah, sell original products. I think a lot of uh, people are very scared right now. You know, I'm um, buying things online and not getting it, or not getting the original product. So I think integrity is still there. Number one, I think number one is still going to be integrity. Right? Make sure what you sell is what you advertise, and make sure when your customer receive it, it is what they see online. I myself have four big teams to uh to pick advertising, right? <laughs> Buy something online, it doesn't really like it. <laughs> uh, maybe it's a, oh, maybe it's a stone inside a PS5 box, for example. I know? think I think I think yeah. not even I think you're uh you're kind of spot on on the consumer behavior because I think yeah. essentially you don't do what the restaurants do where on the menu you see this big steak and then when the size comes it's like so small. Yeah, <laughs> So, I think, I think, yeah, I think it's really important. I think, I think first and foremost, I think integrity is really important, especially when you deal online. Right, once you lose the trust and reputation, that's it. People won't go back to you, right? Yeah. So I think to all everyone that's out there selling things, just make sure you sell what you are selling and look exactly the same as you advertise, right? In terms of quality, outlook, maybe even color, pictures, and everything. Yeah. Make sure it's all in consistency. Yeah. I think that's really important. Awesome. Awesome. Sell what you advertise. <laughs> yes, what you have advertised. Yeah, cool. I think uh, yeah. So that brings us to the end of this conversation. I mean, very insightful conversation. I could see myself walking through twenty years of e-commerce. Um, so uh, okay. it's it's quite cool to be able to speak to someone who's been doing this for twenty years. Um, yeah, it was a really tough twenty years. I mean, it's it's really fortunate right now for people to come online right now and sell. It's really very easy, right? Everything is done for you. Right. Back then, it's like, ah, tough. Um, it's awesome. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks mm. a lot. Welcome, welcome. I hope, I hope whatever I share is uh, useful, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's super useful. Uh, it's, it's, it, it gives a very strong perspective on where we are and where we may be headed. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, and especially in the sense of like setting up like a brand and positioning it as a premium brand is quite quite helpful. All right. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you.